Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach and the host joining me this evening are the Dwarven DM, John Christian. Hello everybody. And the Dapper DM, Troy Sandlin. Greetings and salutations. Mm, both. Yeah. I've, you know, mm-hmm. it's holidays, it's right? Stupid. Being such a giving person. I am. We've got a nice group of folks already in chat this evening with us. This is a Sunday evening recording um, outside the norm to just do a regular episode on Sunday evening. But we appreciate Kill a Lot, Atheros, and everybody else hanging out with us. Um, we're going to be talking about a topic that came up at our table and actually we brought up here on stream uh, not too long ago. Um, uh, just in passing, but before we do that, we've got some news for you. Um, I've uh, kind of picked up three of them, and I'll just kind of rattle them off, and we can talk about what you guys want to with them. Um, let's start with the simplest one, which is uh, the Dungeons and Dragons TV show. How about that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So. This is a pretty simple, there's not a whole lot to it, um, but Hasbro's internal like TV development company um, studio called E1 has said that uh, Dungeons & Dragons TV shows are a big focus for Hasbro right now. <clears throat> In fact, they say our big focus right now. Um, uh, and then they hope to be taking this out to the marketplace with scripted and unscripted shows coming soon, um, as in uh, taking it out to the marketplace early next year, which means we should have some more news on that relatively quickly, I would think. Hmm. Scripted and unscripted, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, when you see the bankroll that that Critical Role is running, it's kind of hard not to want to jump on that and try to get a piece of that pie. And see well, how, how much you can run off of the... I mean, I was wondering. I was really oh, wondering yeah. if Hasbro was going to try to uh, cash in on that at all. Or if they were just going mm-hmm. to do you know movies and normal TV shows. Mm-hmm. I find that very interesting. If they're going to try and cast it as if, you know, similar to Critical Role. Or... It- I think the, I think the follow-up statement is kind of lets you know that their heart is truly more in the less in the actual play and, le- and more in everything else because they say uh, we have a big movie that's in post right now that will come out first. So we're trying to also navigate the brand more holistically so that the movie feels not apart from but connected somehow to a bigger universe. Um, so that to me says, hey, we're we want to we want to build. You know, a multimedia franchise of of lore, and they talk about lore being a big point. Fifty, nearly fifty years of lore uh, popping up. So, I think that's the target. That's interesting. There, it's going to be a while. Then we're going to before we're going to see the TV a TV series or any of the if they're waiting until after the movie is done because the movie doesn't come out until twenty twenty three at this point. Um, so you're looking yeah. at at least in the, another year to a year and a half before you're going to see any of that f- come to fruition. I'm not shocked by the either, right? It's one of those things where uh, when you've got a property that's doing really, really well, you want to capitalize on it, milk it for everything that's absolutely worth. But a lot of the times, 
that means that they're going to be there's going to be such a rush to get it to market in order to capitalize on whatever the the upswell is in popularity that you're going to sacrifice quality uh, mm-hmm. over that. So we'll uh, we shall see. Uh, and yeah, Atheros is noting there in chat that Hasbro will go for basically any reality play or or just any show in general that features any of their products. I think that's mm-hmm. that's true. Like they're not. This is a company that's used to saying, we've got this property, let's find a way to bring it into television. Um, this, isn't new, this isn't new turf for them. Um, so, yeah. I mean, hopefully we've talked about this than, before. but Hopefully they do better than some of the other properties that, they've, that have transferred to celluloid or, I guess, digital media now. Like you see, like the G.I. Joe series. Death, I, just, I watched Snake Eyes over the weekend, and it was about as... Unentertaining as I thought it might end up being. I, 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 I've not even watched it. I'm a big. I'm a big. Y'all know I'm a big Joe fan. I just. Oh yeah. The fact yeah. that he talks. I'm uh, like you see his face. Yeah. I can. Yeah. I can do. I can understand the seeing of the face because it's a movie. It's hard to. It's hard to have a movie where the main characters, the main character has no face. I get. <laughs> I get that. So that's you why know. you didn't like Halloween Kills, isn't it? You never actually got to see his face. That's the real reason why. Oh no! The real reason why I didn't like that movie is because <laughs> it's a Stevie pile Awful. of crap. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's so bad. It's I'm not so defending bad. it. it so I'm not defending bad. it. I just wanted to troll. That's all it was. You know, <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I will say this: if I would have gotten to see Michael Myers' face in Halloween Kills, I would have kicked it up a point. Mm. Interesting. Uh, which would have given it a point. Bear Droid is saying uh, that making an actual play interesting may be one of the most difficult things on the planet. I agree. Oh yeah. I do think I that um, I haven't gotten to watch a lot of it, um, which maybe speaks to my to the falsity of what I'm about to say because I could have made time for it, I suppose. But I've been listening to some of Colville's Dusk actual play where mm. he has edited it down um, and got rid of all the uh, ho-hums and looking at math and looking up rules and things um, it's definitely better 100% mm. better mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it's the best thing ever but I would be keen to see more investigation that way if you if you uh, want to check out one check out Glass Cannon the Glass mm. Cannon podcast that's exactly what they do. They mm-hmm. they take out all of the extra stuff. I mean, the, the, if something needs to be in there to make it make sense, they'll leave mm-hmm. like the, the rules question or whatever in there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they edit it out, and it's actually it's actually really good. And you get like little one hour chunks, so it's pretty good. Mm. Cool. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, this is another small one here. Uh, let's do the World of Darkness one. Um, this kind of goes hand in hand with something that's already uh, uh, been announced, and this isn't perfectly recent news, but it's something that we hadn't talked about yet, and that is that um, Demiplane, which is where uh, the creators of D&D Beyond headed off to mm-hmm. um, after D&D Beyond, have now made um, a World of Darkness, uh, which is like Vampire 
and uh, Werewolf and things like that. Uh, World of Darkness, uh, D&D Beyond-esque product. Yeah. Yep. And they've mm-hmm. also made a Pathfinder one. So mm-hmm. if you are a Pathfinder 2E player or a World of Darkness vampire uh, werewolf or hunter player, um, this is your opportunity. Um, it's very, very, very much like um, D&D Beyond, but it's got some cool stuff like, um, I believe it has like video and voice conferencing, like you can, you can mm-hmm. just play right in alongside there. Um, it's got shared notes, um, matchmaking, all sorts of cool things. Um, and it is, I believe the World of Darkness one is currently in the um, alpha testing. So you could go ahead and check it out um, and get feedback and things like that before the official launch. Yeah, pretty cool. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're looking at they've said it's in 2020 as the launch or 2022, excuse 2022. me, as the launch. But they're going to have an early access phase uh, to where you can beta and feedback. Mm-hmm. So yeah. mm-hmm. if you're interested in all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think this is an e- this is an easy move for somebody to sweep in. You know, we we've had uh, we've had D and D Beyond folks on before, and one of the things we talk about is um, with D and D Beyond is we'd love to have other systems or third party content or yeah. whatever at play. Mm-hmm. So this so is would so would they, and Demi, this is Demi Plain stepping up and trying to fill that gap. And I think they're uh, they're doing a good job by picking these two particular. Uh, marketplaces to start with. <clears throat> um, I, I can think of a couple better ones, but <laughs> fair enough. I, I I think I think World of Darkness is a pretty easy one to implement. Uh, so that might be the 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 knee jerk there. I'm sure that also there is a let's work with the people who are easiest to work with first, right? Mm-hmm. That could. Be. Um, and I, Bear Droid's bringing up the idea that yeah, that Renegade is I think is a pro, is who owns the vampire licensing right now, um, and it's uh, if if we get this, then this is also a clue that maybe we'll get some other Hasbro stuff like GI Joe and and uh, Power Rangers and things like that, right? That's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, that might this might be a test of those waters. <clears throat> Hmm. All right. Last but not least, uh, this one has been covered numerous times by us, but we're going to cover it again. And that is we have more news on the Marvel Multiverse RPG uh, coming very, very soon, at least in playtest form. Um, They gave us a whole bunch of new announcements. Um, I've seen both February and March, so sometime in there. Uh, they are going to release a $20 playtest rulebook that has been announced. Um, It's going to have a whole bunch of new, uh, or a whole bunch of existing Marvel superheroes that you can play as pregens, or there will be guidelines for making your own. It has uh, a list of stats, might, agility, resilience, vigilance, ego, and logic, which I think are cool. Uh, And then the big announcement as part of it is that it is going to use a new system that uses three six-sided dice, or three D6, and it's going to be called the D616 system. Um, yeah. And if you roll a six, a one, and a six, you evidently get something very 
fantastic as a result. Ooh, that's kind of cool. I like that. I think that's in reference to, like, like essentially their effective Earth Prime. Yep, the we primary are. universe is, is Earth 616, right? Well, it, mm-hmm. we are Earth 616. Oh, we are. I gotcha. Yeah. It's like, whatever, you know, the, the, the main storyline of the comic books where they all interact, that is Earth 616. Anything that's like a, a what if. Mm-hmm. Is on one on one of the other worlds, so you could you could effectively say it's the prime, but it's it's just the one they picked, so it's not like Earth One. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and and Baradroid is pointing out uh, in chat that it's actually on Amazon right now for ten dollars for the play test pack. Um, so you can't get it right now, and it's good, but it's one hundred and four pages, and uh, Amazon saying end of March. So, that's cool. Uh, it does bring Spider-Man, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Wolverine, and more are the creature are the uh, heroes that are listed. So, how do we feel about paying for playtest? I'm fine with that. Yeah? As long as they keep it pretty cheap. It's cool to kind of get ahead of it. They're not Ten bucks is, yeah, I is mean, reasonable to me. If it, were yeah. a, if it were a penny more than that, I might... Grumble about well, it a little bit more. I, I have a problem when it comes to like the Paizo way of doing it, where it's like, here's, we want $50 for a playtest yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a we have a deluxe, like, linen cover playtest book that's mm-hmm. $90. Like, it's kind of. That has a lifespan kind of, of like six joke. months. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thing. It's like, okay, so what am I going to do with it after the actual copy comes out if you've changed a bunch of stuff? Right. Put it on my shelf as a collector's item. That's the only thing I can imagine, right? Is like somebody wants to be a part of the wants, wants to be a part of it so badly that they and they want to have that. It's like it's almost like a ten dollar entry fee for a feedback mm-hmm. into the play testing, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I play tested the crap out of D and D next, and I got all that for free. Mm-hmm. I think. But I, I think, think it's the... more of a model. Go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, yeah, I think I think there is an argument to be made that if you charge something for access to your product, that you get mm. better feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the buy-in is, is, like, if somebody's paid $10, then they're serious about it. If you do free, you're getting a ton of feedback, but 80% of it is from people that didn't buy it, will never buy it, and just want to go find something to complain about, or mm-hmm. want to make sure that their voice is heard when they weren't a customer, anyways. You know, I kind of, I kind of, I don't think that you get a bunch of extra feedback for free. Honestly, you just get those people that want to play the game or see what's going on. Because if you have a, because to your point, I I don't have any skin in the game. I didn't pay for this. I don't need to give feedback. I don't care. I, I could see, though, with a big name like Marvel or Paizo or whatever, that if you bound, if I bounced in, if you said, hey, free play, P, PDF of the playtest, I would bounce in, no matter if I was interested in playing Pathfinder 2 or not, download the PDF and do a quick scan. Mm-hmm. I might not read the whole thing, but if it's free, I'll go do a quick checkout, right? And if I did a quick scan and was like, I mean, I'll tell you what I did with the playtest, right? When I, when I got the playtest book, I flipped through it and said, what's new that catches my eye? And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, there's this whole like magic weapon special cool thing. I'm like, I'm interested in that. Oh, they've got Goblin as a main race. That's interesting. Nothing else really exciting popped out at me. And so my – now, I've since learned more and I have more opinions. But initially, when I looked through 2E playtest, I was like – 
I don't really feel like this is doing a whole lot that's new or interesting. Um, as a, that, and that was just the knee-jerk statement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so. it's something that, like the model that you could you can see an argument for that's already existing is video games. Early access and beta access to video games, it costs you a, you know, a portion, like a fraction of what the the, normal, the game actually would be. And sometimes you can get in on it early enough to where you can beat the retail price on it. Mm-hmm. And it just rolls over from the, the playtest version or beta version that you're in over to the main one. It's a little, this is obviously going to be different because there's a physical component to it. But, I mean, they do that with video games all the time. Where some games will stay in, a, in beta for years before they actually hit... Like a, a retail, or yeah. they're for the, for, before they're officially released, and people mm-hmm. are paying for it up until that point. Mm-hmm. They're paying subscriptions, even subscriptions for for beta for playtesting games. So hmm. it's not it's not yeah. unheard of. I, I I I'm gonna I'm, I'm with I think I'm with I'm with Zach on this. I think you're gonna get more. You're gonna get people that are invested in the feedback. Like maybe you're not gonna get more. I don't know if that's gonna be the case. Yeah, I don't not. think you get more. I think you're gonna get more yeah. cogent, deliberate, and thoughtful. Feedback as opposed to just like anyone that wants to scream at someone else. There's they have ease of access into it because they got a, a free buy into it. You know, if if you get any extra feedback, I think it'll be like early, and then it will go away because it's like they'll they'll do their why can't I be a Jedi in D and D, and that'll be it. You know they'll they'll, they'll oh, never you'll... say anything else. You guys are going to hear great uh, a great question that we got. I don't. I'm going to believe that this question was made in jest, but there was no jest about the way it was asked or the the response afterwards. Someone on the uh, Skyrim board game Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, was asking if we were going to implement any mod uh, stuff into the game specifically. They love the mod that introduces lightsabers into Skyrim, and they were wondering if we had any rules or any guidelines for using mod content in in the board game. We're like, there will not be lightsabers <laughs> in Skyrim. <laughs> I, I would like to take that that person aside and just say, explain to me how you see that actually happening. <laughs> in a one question board for you. Game. <laughs> Do you think you are, yeah, <laughs> sir or madam? Yeah, uh, yeah. And Bear George asking, and I think this is a valid, valid question. Like, why didn't we? Why, why, why not just do a Kickstarter for Marvel, Marvel Multiverse, mm-hmm. and and let that be your playtest, and say anyone who pledges at the ten dollar level or above gets access to the playtest material. Um, yeah. but maybe that's a level of complication that they want to avoid. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so that's our news for this evening. Um, yeah, yeah. Good and clean. Good and clean. I like it. Uh, let's see here. We've got some comments. Let me make sure that we cover these comments before we dive in. I like the uh, uh, Atheros' uh, comment about uh, back to Kickstarter, and basically they, they sent out the play test of the game and every time a change was made they sent out an update for free mm-hmm. yeah it's like that's 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 cool that's pretty yeah they did the same thing with the hellboy one that i backed mm-hmm. the, uh, a while back they had probably three different versions before they actually printed it yeah people went went through it with a fine-tooth comb 
what's essentially what they did is they crowdsourced some of their editing and grammar checks, spell oh, checks, yeah. and stuff like that. Which oh was yeah, smart. And then uh, it gave people an opportunity to kind of take a look at it, kick the tires, and it was all pretty much there. And you you'd already bought into it because you were part of the Kickstarter anyway. You were at least yep. going to get a the PDF anyway. And so right. they went through several iterations before they actually sent it to the to the press for printing. Mm. Very cool. Which I can see that I can see oh. I can definitely see an argument for that. Oh yeah. the, mm-hmm. in the in the, oh, the for positive. Sure. And that oh, would be sure. the way that you could emulate that uh, video game mentality of I buy into it at a lower price. I get to play test, you know, beta type stuff, mm-hmm. and then once it goes live, I still I get. Mm-hmm. The, the actual version and not you're kind of subsidizing the yeah. cost of the of each thing mm-hmm. that you're giving out because that ahead way, of yeah. time because that because way, like, they're doing a lot of the, the lift of some of the rules kicking the tires and editing and stuff like that helping you out with yeah. that because like what mm-hmm. Zach was saying you know pay 50 bucks for a playtest book for Paizo or something like that it's like oh and then I gotta turn around and, and pay 50 bucks when it gets released no this way I get I get what I get. Yeah, don't give me a, a super nice, jazzy playtest yeah. book. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if yeah. I want one, Fair enough. Yeah. Make, me, make me pay 90 bucks for it because it's you know, super cool or whatever. Well, the thing, it was like a Sears catalog, like an old yeah. Sears catalog. It was that the old, thin, glossy paper. It reminded me of like a um, like a, an Olin Mills <laughs> catalog, man, from back in the day. <laughs> it's not something of- you're going to keep. It's not going to stand. It's like I don't. Uh, to me, it wouldn't last for more than six months anyway at my table. It would just disintegrate. Yeah, it's like fifty the Montgomery Ward. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, with that, let's uh, let's refill our cups and then let's dive into our topic for the evening. All yep. right, let's do it. All right, and we're back. Uh, and chat has some amazing comments while we were gone. So, yeah, thank you, chat, for keeping us entertained. <laughs> always, <laughs> always entertaining. Uh, all right, so tonight we're going to be talking about splitting the party. Uh, this was uh, kind of came to our forefront of our of our minds after John's uh, story of of uh, character death and dismemberment. Mm-hmm. Um, from from a couple weeks ago, and uh, so I think that this is going to be an interesting conversation because I think we have a variance of opinion when it comes to this topic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's start there. Let's start with a simple yay or nay. In in our opinion, um, should the party split on a regular basis and by a regular basis let's say a quarter of all sessions or more can we be, can we be more specific are we talking about splitting in regards to the narrative or are we talking about like splitting tactically in combat um i think i'm thinking more of running two different scenes Mm, simultaneously does that make sense yeah yeah totally i think that's the way i would split it because like i think if a party choose and and we could talk about that but like you start to get into the weeds when you talk about splitting the party in a combat where it's like well this party this group went over into the next room 
is that counted as splitting the party? Um, well, for me, well, look, let me, let me, give me sure, like yeah. a couple of minutes yeah, yeah. with it then. I don't want to gloss over the combat because to me, that's what happened with, in my game was that I had pl- like a, one group of players head one direction, another group of players head the other direction, and had they focused fire like I thought that they would. Like that's that was my mistake. Thank you for one second. Like building an encounter where I thought that the players would zig whenever I should have known they were going to end up zagging. But mine was like, it, it's, it, it's, it was combat oriented now because it's two different answers for me. If it's combat versus, versus narrative, but they're similar. Um, it, uh, cause to me, whenever you, it is a, the players, it's all about action economy in a, in a, in combat, right? So we, what you want to try to do is not necessarily reduce the number of hit points on the table for the bad guys. You want to reduce the number of actions that any of the bad guys can use against you and your party. And so by doing that, you take, instead of fighting 10 things separately, you want to fight one thing so that they have 10 actions on round one, eight actions on round two, five on round three, right? So thinking, mm-hmm. I'm thinking strategically like that or thinking tactically like that was kind of what I was, I was getting at. As a player, uh, that's probably the, the best way for me to do it. As a player, um, I'm always I'm all about focusing fire. And if, if I'm a leader character or anything like that, then I'm always trying to direct my allies mm-hmm. to fight the, the to fight one person. And if not, if I'm the rogue or the, which I rarely am, but if I'm the the uh, the soloist, almost conflict player, I'm still trying to wrangle people towards fighting one thing just so that we can drop things faster. So. At least that's the way that I end up running it. So that's whenever I think about creating combat encounters, I'm thinking I'm not expecting the players to literally scatter in six disparate like locations on the map, and everybody's fighting something all by their little lonesome, and it's like they're dividing all of their their potential and their combat potency. Yeah, I think I think that's that's like. So, so I think I would draw the line, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in doing this, but I consider splitting the party when you are on different maps or in different scenes altogether, right? Mm, okay. Um, like, and and I could be wrong, or I'm not saying that that's the way you have we have to distinguish it, but I think that as long as we're all on the same grid, mm-hmm. like now we're splitting hairs about what I think. Like, where's the line where the DM knows that you're in over your head, but you don't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that could be a five-foot line, or it could be a 500-foot line, right? Um, mm-hmm. Could be, well, the rogue walked into the room by himself and triggered the uh, portaclus, right? Mm-hmm. Now he, you know, split the party because uh, he, he was five feet, you know, five feet separated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so let's let's stick with you, John. Let's stick with you. Um, where do you fall on splitting the party, just in general? I know now. Now, as you, you told us about it, you as a player, but like if you had your druthers as a DM, like do you do you want your party to split up? Do you want them to stay together? Uh, in combat, honestly, I don't. Honestly, I don't. I don't care in combat. In this instance, I anticipated them not splitting up, and they they did. And so that mm-hmm. was it, and it, everything with the layout. In order to kind of like maneuver things around for them to to not penalize them for not thinking the way that I thought that they would, because that's that's not. 
I'm not saying that it's not fair, but it's also not, it can also be not fun or interpreted as not fun. Um, I really couldn't move the, sh- the, the, the pieces on the board around fast enough to accommodate for them going literally in opposite di- directions. So I should, normally I wouldn't, I wouldn't really mind all that much. I mean, I, I'm usually pretty flexible with that. Narratively though, that's what I'm, th- I'm thinking more like when you're talking about like on different grids, like uh, the rogue wants to go into the cave and look around before the party goes into the cave and actually scout it out. Or uh, two players want to, they want to diverge in the dungeon and they want to check out the treasury while everybody else goes and does something else. Yeah. Uh, that, oh man, that is, that's situational. It's really, because it can be, there are a lot of, there, there are some pros to it. There are a lot of cons that are, it's, uh, it's more upkeep for me as the DM. It's, uh, it's like, and having to wrangle, juggle, and spin plates between the people that are moving around for the players. It's a lot of sitting around and waiting. Some players, um, I'm going to be here for four hours, and I'm, and I'm going to spend an hour and a half of that four hours not really doing anything because I'm waiting for somebody else to finish out whatever this narrative is, right? Um, it can at least turn into that. I mean, there are a lot, right? But the pro, some of the pros, which I won't go into all of them yet, uh, some of the pros of it are that you can get more story in, in less time doing that. I mean, if they break out in the narrative, then things are starting to run in parallel to one another. And you're getting, you can get some context from over here, get some context from over there. Some of the things are, and so more things are happening all at once. And so you, there's some benefit that, that can definitely happen to that. I think the one thing you run, or run into a, a possible peril with that though is, is uh, meta information between the different members of the party. You've got six people sitting at the table. Three of them are doing one thing. Three of them are doing another. All six of them hear what both sets of both groups are doing. They both know what's going on, and then and if they want, then they have to play dumb whenever they get back together, and explain what happened, or you just hand wave it. You know, so it's just more to me. There's more management that you've got to do whenever, and it's exponential. The the more groups that are broken out, if it's just two, it's one thing, but it's exponentially mm-hmm. more complicated, and t- more t- uh, time intensive. Uh, the more groups that it breaks out into the groups of like three groups, four groups, et cetera. Mm. <laughs> not a clear answer, not a yay or a nay necessarily. Sorry. I, I don't have like a, a, there's not like a binary response for it. it's situational and it's, it really depends on the group for me, like how patient they are. Like I've got my, my players in my Friday game are very, very patient and are, they're fine letting other players chew the scenery for an hour or longer. And it doesn't bother them at all. Whereas if I were sitting at a public play table, I would expect people to want spot their own spotlight. They paid for the ticket, they came to play and have a, and be engaged and not just be like having like exposition vomited at them and other people play the game. They want to be engaged and do something in it too, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a long form games, you can probably get away with it. Those short form modules, I think it's harder to do. That's a good point. Yeah, I I don't know what you think, Troy. I'm I'm of the opinion that I I like a party being split as long as there are bounce back points at some point throughout the session where the party reconvenes and then splits Mm -hmm. again. Like I am happy to run 
by and large, I, I've yet to run a game where I didn't like running a split group. But what I want is I want to draw those two or three groups together to an impact point where they can dump each other information, trade resources, communicate, play with each other. And then if they want to immediately or, or very soon thereafter diverge again, maybe in different groups or whatnot, like I think, I think it's way easier to, when a party is split, I think it's way easier to create moments for individual characters. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. I do. Um, you want to give, like, if you want to give somebody that, that lime, like, legit, you're the one that everybody's focusing on, it's, that's how you do it, right? You take mm-hmm. all of the other elements that, like, the other stars out of the scene, and you give that one person this, this it's kind of sitting in front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it players, like, in some group dynamics, a perfect example is one of the alien games that are being played right now. Probably more, both of them, but certainly one of them. Um, uh, the group is composed of approximately two people or two characters who are the leaders and the others not. If they all stay together, those two players will have more spotlight time just by default because they're the decision makers as characters. Thus they are making a lot of the decisions and being addressed by a chunk of the NPCs on a regular basis. Um, As soon as they split up, those other characters get those opportunities uh, much more easily. And we can create scenes for characters a whole lot easier when I'm not trying to create a scene for four people. And I can say like, all right, there's only two people here. What can I do that's really interesting for one of the, at least one of these two characters? Uh, that's, that's the funnest piece of it, right? Um, I adore getting to say like, all right, so if the leaders were here, this would happen, but they're not here. So let's do, mm-hmm. let's do the other thing, right? Like maybe the NPC would address like like there's some information or there's a line of inquiry or a, just a just the through line that comes up when the paladin's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, the 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 cat's away. The, the mice can finally play. It's a, it's a, and players will do it intentionally too, right? The the goody the the goody two shoes players that like to distract them or have them go do something else while they do the the more the gray work, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Whenever they're not mm-hmm. looking, those yeah. things are. I think those are those are good. I'm I'm with you. I, I'm I really I'm with you on those. It's uh it, again it boils down to just situational, right? The the you have to have the right group of players. The maybe it's unplanned. Or not necessarily unplanned, but kind of like off the cuff. Sometimes is when it, it was when it becomes more complicated, as opposed to you're getting really close to the end of the session, and you say, "All right, cool. Well, let's go ahead and call it there." And what we'll do is these people will do the next session while the others hang out and do something else, or like you guys show up an hour later or two hours later or something like that. That way, there's less like hang and wait time for some of the other players too, just from a scheduling perspective. Hmm. I don't know. I uh, what about you, Troy? Uh, well, there's a, there's a couple points that got brought up that I think is very interesting. Uh, Baradroid brings up a, a point that is solely 
kind of sits where I'm at with the whole Obi-Wan heading off to turn off the shields while everybody else goes to find Leia. Um, John brought up focusing fire, mm-hmm. and I, I want to address that. Um, but here, here's... Because I've been thinking about this quite a bit, and which is why I kind of... I threw this topic idea out, out there and was really hoping that we would do it sooner rather mm-hmm. than later. Um, mm. Cause I got to thinking about this. It's like, and I, and I don't remember who said it might've been me, might've been somebody else in an episode or three or four back about movies. Mm-hmm. Every movie you watch, every action movie you watch, almost, almost everyone, they split the group. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was one of my players. So yeah. I, I was I'd read you some of like the sort yes. of the, the dialogue. Yes, yes, yes. Like, uh, yeah, one That's of them was right. like, well, I mean, like in a movie, like you split the group. One guy can go and do one thing and he's cool, another guy can do another thing, but now the only way we can do this is if we're all together. If it's Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn staying in that same little space yeah. the entire time. It, yeah, perfect example right there. If if you played Lord of the Rings like you play in a, in a D&D game, Sam and, and Frodo don't leave because you can't split the group. And I feel like I've been thinking about this a lot. I Focusing fire and not splitting the group are constructs of the game. And gaming mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Because st- this is a storytelling game. So why should you have to why should you have to have to focus fire and why should you not be able to split the game or split the group? I think those two things are only there to make it easier in a in a meta sense and for the DM. Because you can you could figure out ways of, you know, in combat if both groups are in two different areas and they're having combat, you can fi- figure out a way to make that flow. If if they're if one group's over here shopping and the other group's over here doing something else, you can figure out how to make that flow. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, uh, yeah. Uh, Andrew asks why is that bad. I'm not saying it's bad. What I'm saying is, it's not the only way to play. Why should we punish a group of players because they want to split up and do something cool? Well. Man, you know, if if we can get Obi Wan to go and shut off the the shields, we can go find Leia. Nope, we got we. You know, if that was a D and D game, nope, can't do that. Why? Well, can't split the group. You don't get that extra oomph, and, and like what John was saying earlier. It's like you get to you get to spotlight players more, spotlight their characters more. You get to uh, get me, you know, kind of focus in on what they're doing a little bit more, giving them that time to shine and come up with stuff. I, and I feel like maybe maybe it's up to the DM to kind of think about that during encounter building. Well, this this is a spot where they could split up the group. And if they go this way, what can we do to make that stuff fun and not kill them, but give them as much challenge for that small group that they would have had if they were all together, and then this other group the same thing, because like for combat, when if I have groups that split, I just keep the initiative order, and it's like okay, you and you are in room A, and okay, player one room A, player two room A, player three 
is in room Z, okay, you're going to do this. <laughs> My monster in room A does this. Player in room, you know, and just bounce back and forth and just keep it going so everything's... It might not end at the same time or it might do whatever, but, you know, it, it, it's like it's become such a meme. You know, don't split the party. Why not? Every, everything else, because DMs are always saying... I let my my players drive the story. Well, if you if you've beaten it into their heads that they're not supposed to split the group, this comes down to, and I think I think uh, Andrew's hitting on it here in chat um, a little bit, but it comes down to though like one of the key notes, which is that, and this is the thing that I think we 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 strain against sometimes with narrative, is that we are still playing a game with mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, it's when those mechanics fight against Obi-Wan going off by himself and having like a non-combat encounter while Luke and Han are rolling for initiative, right? That's, that's the, that's the tricky part of it in the sense of, yeah, you can, you can say, oh, you're doing this thing. And then we bounce back to you and you say, um, you know, I, I pull the next lever. <laughs> oh, and then we bounce back to Luke and Han. Oh, and they're shooting at... Sort of, like, you can do that. You can absolutely do that, and there's ways to do it. But the game does not facilitate that no. in a smooth way. Well, there's also what you can consider, like, just throwing this... Slapping this term together and maybe narrative uh, momentum, right? Where you're like... When you start splitting the group out and the narrative starts diverging into different directions... Like, we're going to get to a certain point, get to a certain point. All right, stop this. We're going to stop the train here. We're going to shift gears and go over to this other scene that's going over here. And we're going to get to a stop where I can, place where I can stop. And we're going to pick it back up over here. And so you're constantly having to, like, spin it back up and grind up to that, back up to speed again, over and over again. And then, like, the other thing, too, is just it's the plate spinning. It's tough sometimes. The more, like, two directions is one thing. Three or four directions in particular is it's not necessarily trying to be lazy but holy crap that takes a to me at least it takes a lot of energy whenever i'm sitting at these tables and i've got like six people doing six different things and having six different conversations or one guy's pickpocketing somebody one guy's doing this one girl's doing this (laughs) that gets i like it wipes me out but to me that that is also part of you know it, it sets on the player's shoulders as well because it's like look you guys split the group Mm-hmm. You thought that was a great idea, so now mm-hmm. the two of you are going to have to sit there and be mm-hmm. cool with it, while I focus on these people because they're doing something and it's a role playing encounter. You guys are in combat, so we'll go through, you know, your rounds of combat. Okay, now we're going to spend about five minutes with you guys. Role play, role play, role play. Okay, stop I right love- there, and I'll come back and and do it again. But it's like. That's that's what you guys decided. That's what the group decided to do. So that's what you're going to have to be okay with. If you don't like the way that flows, then then you need to come up with that constraint on your own to not split your group. But you guys, y'all wanted to do this, so that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I love the statement that you made there about um, if the players choose it, then you kind of like let that be on them, right? All right, mm-hmm. you the party understood that they were splitting up here yeah. one way or another. Right. So, uh, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna have to accept the fact that that means that 
there's going to be some moments here where you're going to be sitting on your hands. Yeah. Um, Unless you've got some like really opinionated or vocal players, like you'll have one one party member maybe the the person that chose Rogue because they want to be able to be the scout and they scout out every, so they will scout out the entire dungeon ahead of time if you let them if you let them do like no granted there are ways of mitigating that right you can make it more of a theater of the mind or more of a mm-hmm. you know kind of like a a, a a montage of things that happen but like they do that repeatedly but like i told you guys before the way that i handle it sometimes is, it's like it's 10 minutes and what happens is it depending on the the speed at which the player is willing to go i'll start speeding up you know, like at the five minute point and it just starts turning into like hand wave, hand wave, hand wave, roll, roll, roll until like, and we're done. Now I can get them back like and, and like plug them back in with the party. They've, they're satisfied with that 10 minutes in the spotlight of all their own little thing that they did. And then we can, now we can continue forward. Right. But when you have one player that that's their thing and it happens over and over and over again, and the other players at the table are like, Oh my God, we're doing this again. Like, unless they're really vocal like, dude, we, it's it's fine. You're not. You may not have people that are going to be that uh, that uh, you know that that willing to step out and say that to another player and kind of like step on their their good time. Well, th- then you kind of like. It's also incumbent upon the DM, I think, to then, you know, if you've got that rogue or assassin or whatever that wants to creep ahead and check stuff out, fine. What else is the rest of the group doing? Have you decided all you're going to do is stand there and wait for for them to come back? Mm-hmm. There's other stuff you could do, you know, it, come come up with a better plan. Or, okay, fine, they're going to go in and, and, and scout ahead, put something in that's not too far into the dungeon, where it's like, oh, there's something mm-hmm. I can't go any farther. I got to go back. Oh, yeah, and there are, there are there are a dozen different ways of dealing with it. I think what I, what yeah. I'm getting at is that it's you're constantly having to put that in place like expecting that one player is going to do that over and over again as opposed to give like trying to keep them cohesed as a unit I, and so there's there's always one person I, that wants to solo i think that there's a danger in that though like i'm going to be i'm i'm going to be opinionated here i guess but like mm-hmm. i think there's a danger in in the sense of my opinion is that the party is made up of individuals that have wildly different skill sets, ideally. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it, especially when those those skill sets are divergent mm-hmm. that you have splits that are almost necessary. If everybody's a paladin, then you can have a a, a, a group moving through the, the through everything. But more than likely, you have a rogue that wants to scout ahead great awesome or sneak around or do something you know Mm -hmm. off on the side and they're going to get some spotlight there and they're going to use up some time there Mm -hmm. and that's not and it's going to happen every time but then also you're going to have a paladin or a bard or both that vie for the conversation time Mm -hmm. whenever you run into an npc right and you're going to have a um a barbarian who has to describe every swing of their axe or who has a you know a call out that they want done at the thing or you have a wizard that anytime you run into anything that's magic at all they want to identify they want to detect magic they want to open up their books they want to roll an arcana check they're in the library like like and so i just trust that i i 
I love that. I want to give all those people their time to shine. And that means that when they're doing their shine thing, the other, the rest of the group is going to have to find a way to either be uh, meaningful in that moment or they're going to have to wait. Um, but um, uh, then I think, I think then it comes down to me to get back to John's point. I think it, then it comes down to me to say, okay, um, the rogue is, we haven't had a combat in a while or at least an intense combat or a long combat. So the barbarian and the rogue are both missing their mojo. We've been in town for the last four sessions and the wizard and the bard and the paladin have had a heyday. Um, the next combat needs to be something that benefits the rogue and the barbarian pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't worry about that as a session, you know, within the same session sort of a thing. But I do think about it as far as like, uh, you know, if, if we just had a whole session where where the bard got the spotlight, let's make sure that somebody else can have the spotlight for a mm-hmm. chunk of this one, even if it means that I have to run run up a combat that was not part of the original adventure, just to give other people the opportunity. Um, yeah. That's that's more of like a reaction to, or not a reaction necessarily. That's you. Do, it's self management, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like you're aware of you're keeping like a mental note and ticking off every time somebody gets that their moment or the thing that they get to do where they get to shine. You're mentally ticking that off as opposed to what I feel like sometimes players are doing is like I'm not getting enough, and so I'm going to <sighs> I'm pushing it in this direction to make sure that I get that the the time that I'm. Not and I think, that I'm owed, but that, I, that I'm looking for. I think what you just said and what chat's saying, and I want to point this out, I think that it's more often that players say, I've taken up too much time, mm. than that they say, I didn't get enough. That's true. Well, the, and um, I think I see that I've in home both. games. I don't, see that in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't see that in, in, the, uh, in the public play games very yeah. often, where somebody's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take up so much time. It's like, there, it's... There's almost a competition between some of the players at the table of like trying not they're not yelling each other down necessarily, but there's like there's like they're trying to polish their own moments, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in order to make sure that they like otherwise why am I here kind of thing, you know? Yeah, there's like a yeah. it's like a healthy competition or maybe it's not healthy. I'm not sure because you you said it and it's gotten it's been brought up a couple of times in chat. It's it's splitting the group is very situational on how mm-hmm. you're going to handle it and and the benefits of it and everything else it's it's hard to do in public play because yeah it's not a continuing story you've only got four hours Mm -hmm. um but i also feel like you know it kind of goes back to that whole uh the the matt mercer effect you know every people that watch critical role you know it's like they they split the group all the time and Mm -hmm. why can they do it and it's effective because it goes back to that to me, it's the critical role effect. It's not just Matt Mercer. It's everybody mm-hmm. sitting at that table. They they are all there to see what everybody else is going to do, not just their character. So as soon as you have that level of buy-in, you can split the group because then if, and it shouldn't, but if two people take up the next hour of play doing something that they're doing off on the side and everybody else is waiting for Matt to get back to them or the DM to get back to them. That's 
yeah. part of it because then you're going to get the spotlight for an hour and they're going to have to sit there. So it's a trade-off. So if you want that level of storytelling, you have to be that level of player to get it. And that yeah. means while your friends across the table are doing something and the spotlight is focused on them, you are sitting there, you're still attentive, you're still enjoying the game, you're not <laughs> catching the latest episode of, of your favorite TV show on Netflix or you're not rummaging around in the kitchen or on the phone or something like that. You're engaged in the game. And, and that that's hard to well, find. See, that's hard to that's find. That's what I call, that's what I refer to, that's the professional player though. They're professional, right? The critical that's, role players are professional players. Yeah, okay, they're professional, but that that has, to me that has nothing to do because I agree. Before, like, I agree with you that that to me that is like that is a that is a player etiquette that I would like mm-hmm. to see a lot more of adopted by all players and not necessarily. But I, I think what I'm getting at with critical role, just for the listeners out there to distinguish it, is kind of what Bear Droid is saying too. It's like that uh, the they are players that are paid to to play. And that, and so it, they're paid to sit and let the others players soak up the scene and chew up the scene and do all that kind of stuff and be attentive and listen and like I don't know how much they've also been together for a long time. This is a exactly. long-standing group, exactly. right? And, and this is the di- com- dynamic that they've developed. Because I completely time. disagree on that. Uh-huh. Because you have how many other streams out there that are that are successful? Not obviously not to the extent of Critical Role, but. You know the the best ones are doing the same thing. They're attentive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. They are they are invested in what the rest of the group is doing. It has nothing to do with being paid or not, because you can you can watch watch them on there. They're like into it, and they'll be like, "Oh, did you did you see what he just did? Oh, oh that's so cool. Oh yeah, that you know." And they're or they're making notes or they're they're doing whatever, but they are invested in the story beyond their piece of paper and that's what a lot of times we don't have at our tables is players that are invested to that extent especially in the public play space because they don't know the other five people sitting at the table well and i'll just i'm not going to disagree with you necessarily but it's the cynic in me more more so than anything else that says whenever you say that the critical role players are genuinely attentive versus like that's that's their job is to look uh, look attentive and be attentive it, it well, is now it wasn't before no maybe not and of course i can't i can't go historically i i could but i i haven't gone historically back and looked at like whenever they first started playing are they consistent do they do the same thing do they play the exact same way maybe they do i can't but again though that's like a I don't. I don't expect, even though I would like it out of my players, for them to have the same level of, of courtesy and attentiveness for the other players. I, I can't. Again, in the public play space, I just haven't seen it manifest itself. So it's constantly this. It's a. It's a juggling act that you have to do in order to keep them engaged. When other people right. are doing something, you have to go back in and check in on them. Like, hey, you, you, what, you, what are you, you doing? Do. What are you doing? You to, but, but my, but my argument for all that is, if you've got someone that's this. this you know, being impatient because, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're a combat monkey. Mm-hmm. They're being impatient because these two people are having a little, little bit of a role-playing moment. And they're, they're kind of, there's like, man, when's the next fight? When's the next fight? They're not mm-hmm. paying any attention to what's going on. And it's like, Hey, well, we just had two combats back to back and you had a great time. Now that's, that's your thing. 
they were not involved in that combat. And they sat there just fine watching what was going on and rooting you guys on and being attentive. But now you are being selfish because you don't want them to have their spotlight. You don't want them to be able to enjoy the game in a way you might not. And that's fine. But if they're your friend or, you know, everybody paid the same amount of money, whatever it might be, show them that same courtesy. You guys split the group. It goes. It all goes back to that. The players chose to split it because mm-hmm. a DM, Some of a, the players, though, a DM, right? a DM will always do their best to kind of you know show the. You could all stay together and do this. Well, we want to split it and go. It's like mm, okay. Well, hang out though. But do you? Because you now you're. That's like that's. You're talking about two different things though. Are you intentionally trying to navigate them together and do something together, or are you just? Because that's almost like, um, it's like you're, by saying, well, you know you guys can stay together and do this too. You know, it's really kind of like telling them what you really want them to do and kind of like Well, no, I'm not saying, no? no, I'm just saying you got this stuff out and, you know, here's your three options that you can get done. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I guess you could split the group. Mm-hmm. That's not the way I designed it, but you can split the group. You're not going to tell them that because they don't need to know that. Let me take it in a different direction real quick. Like, um... Is there, let's approach this from a different angle, is there systems that we think are well-suited to splitting the group versus systems that aren't, or is it a systemless topic? I haven't seen a system that's, like, specifically better, one better than the other, personally, at whenever you split the party up, narratively. Again, I have, I'm talking I about ha- narratively. I have an answer for that. It is not system dependent. It is genre dependent. Because if you are in a futuristic game, you've all got headsets. You're all connected anyway. It doesn't matter what part of the ship you're in. You can still talk to each other as if you're standing next to each other. So you're hmm. always, so that way, if a combat breaks out in the cargo hold, but you've got the three scientists over here working on the... the the downed computer system mm-hmm. it now it's all one initiative because it's like okay uh you shoot you shoot the monster shoots at you uh make your roll to see if the if you can bring the the uh, air purifier back online you know it because then it becomes or because you're in contact that's to me that's the limiting factor of being uh mm. of splitting the group is that being apart with mm-hmm. with with some form of constant communication, you're never actually apart. You're just not in the same room. And I hmm. think I think future settings han- can handle that in a in yeah, a different I think way. I, but I'm, you're still dealing with context switching between the different scenes. Yeah, like things are different. Even though they're able to communicate with one another uh, in this in their in, in their disparate scenes uh, scenes there are still things going on that are completely different in those scenes sometimes like there's a combat here and there's the in the uh, the other scene they're trying to bs an imperial agent that they're you know whatever like they're maybe rp but i still it's the same thing i don't know that the, i'm not convinced that that's a genre thing even if they're able to hear one another that just that all that tells me is it eliminates the meta Mm-hmm. The meta, like the the um, the meta, to- uh, what's the word I want to uh, pollution, like meta pollution between the two of them. Like I know what you're doing on your side, and you know what I'm doing on my side. I, I think but that now the other connected, thing, though, yeah. I think I think though that 
there is a difference when you're talking about a encounter, a technical encounter system. Um, in that case, I think splitting the party is difficult, more difficult. If you have a very loose, free-form uh, encounter-based system that resolutions can happen quickly or simply, um, I think that facilitates splitting the party more easily. Um, like a tiny when, D6, where it's just like pretty open, flexible, and loosey-goosey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like that. I'm also thinking... Um, Oh, goodness. You put me on the spot. Um, no, you didn't even put me on the spot. It's just Zach um, <laughs> drawing a blank here. Um, oh, well, no. Um, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse is one that I think really does a good job of that as well. Um, because there's really... The actions that you take are simple. And and they communicate a lot of things in one action, right? Mm -hmm. I want to kick some ass, you know. Or I want to um, uh, uh, investigate a mystery or whatever. Like these are these are broad statements. And so if you have somebody that walks into, if you split the party and somebody's like, you know, investigating uh, a haunted house while the other people are going out into the cemetery, you're both investigating a mystery. You both are rolling the same dice and you're having the same engagements and things. And it's pretty easy to bounce between the two of you because your actions in doing something are a one-to-one -one with the other people's actions. And if zombies rise out of, out of the graveyard and start fighting, all we're really doing is swapping your investigate a mystery to your kick some ass. Mm -hmm. But you're rolling the same amount of dice, same amount of time is passing, yada, 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 um, by and large. So I, I think there is, like, I think the more technical combat becomes, if I'm loath to split a party ever, it's when I'm like... If you walk into that room, it's a major combat. Mm -hmm. And the the rest of the people at this table are going to want to be a part of it. And they can't right now. Mm -hmm. And that's tricky. It's not tricky from a story standpoint. Story-wise, I can flow with it. But it's a tricky because that combat is going to take two minutes. And that's 20 rounds in D&D terms. Mm -hmm. But that two minutes is not enough time for anyone else to become a part of this. So, boy, that's this is that's where it gets sticky is, for me. So okay. then does, it, does this shift from how do we feel about it to how do we how do we manage splitting the party? Is that the, is, is that the direction the conversation goes in? Then? Because well, in I, I think part of it, yeah. In re retrospectively, right, I've given a lot of thought to how, how the... the kind of the, the genesis or the seed of this conversation came about in that combat whenever I had one group of players go one way and another go the other to Zach's point the even though 5th edition is to me the like the least uh, crunchy of the editions that we've seen thus far so especially since 3rd right or since 2nd uh, edition or AD&D uh, well 4th was like stupid crunchy like to the extreme right but even third edition was also super crunchy too just in its own way but it, it, it's less less so than in several editions we'll just say that even though it's less crunchy there's still quite a bit of crunch and it's still a lot of like technical things and the kind of the way that the cogs mm -hmm. turn in the engine of the game that are i think more than anything else i feel beholden to 
I think that's what it, bo- bo- what it boils down. It's like I feel like I'm, I'm like I've allowed myself to be enslaved by it because while well, we got to play it, like, this is D and D, so we got to play it a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's the way that it always ends up, but in my mind, I think I'm, I'm wrestling with that. It's like, is it going to be D and D anymore if I don't do it this way or don't let it un- unfold the way that that it kind of would technically? So if I going back and looking at my last combat. What I really could have done, and, and I wish I had done now, is when one group went in one direction and the other went the, and went south, one went north. I could have engineered on, re-engineered on the fly, a dozen different things about that combat to make it to where each group could still could still survive or could still be the heroes that they were trying to be. They were trying to have this heroic moment. They were just doing it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the people that stayed behind to fight the boss, right? I could have reduced the boss's hit points. I could have rolled fewer dice yeah. for damage. I could have included some mooks in there and some minions instead of having other like full hit pointed, full statted out bad guys. I could have done the same thing mm-hmm. in the other direction too, right? So I think that's part of it too. It's like it, it is a... The thing that I I complain about with veteran players sometimes is like they only look at what's on the page, whereas the new players are like, "Can I do this?" Because they don't yes. know what they can and can't do. And it's like, "Can I do this?" Hell yeah, you can do that. That's a really good idea. That's really out of the box thinking. Whereas the the veteran players are like, "Here are the numbers. Here are my stats. Here are my powers. My background." Da-da. And that's all that that's their that's their character as opposed to the "Can I do this?" No, no, this is what I can do. And so I think that um, I want to re- reward players that think out of the box, whereas still I'm the DM, and I'm still playing and running the game out of that box in my head sometimes. And I think that's probably, if there's any re- responsibility that I'll take upon myself in that, is that I probably could have been more, I could have broken the box open and just let it be more freeform and then just have a really cool scene as opposed to, you know, not intentionally, like teaching the players a lesson, so to speak. Like, no, you don't waggle my finger. You don't break up the party, and this is why, kind of thing. You know, mm. I didn't do it. That's not the. That wasn't the intent, right? But that's kind of essentially what it ended up turning into in their their, in their chatter post game. It's like, oh, well, I guess you just can't break up the party in Dungeons and Dragons. That's just the way yeah. that it goes. There's a reason why they say that, you know. And that and that's what really got me to thinking about this, about this stuff because it's like in in. Like I said, in movies and TV shows, they're always splitting the group. They're always mm-hmm. doing stuff. And it's like, why should we not allow? I mean, because I've done the same kind of things that, that you're talking about. It's like, oh, you split the group and you went into this one door. Well, in, in this one, behind this one door is like, you know, the 12 liches that are going to mm-hmm. mess you up. And if, if all of you were together, you might have a chance. But nope, it's just one of you. So now you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Why? This is my game. I can change whatever the hell I want. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you're, yeah, you get locked into that mindset of, well, well you, you guys split the group. Mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, I just feel like there's a, it shouldn't be so meme true, you know, because it's, it's like, yeah, it's a funny thing. Yeah, don't split the party. And everybody takes that to mean, well, if you split the party, you're going to get messed up. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be harder. Uh, somebody might be fighting over here. Somebody might be shopping over here. It is what it is. What, think of all the other crazy situations that DMs have to deal with. Is that is flipping switches between a combat mode and a role-playing mode really that difficult in the grand scheme of things for that one session? No. 
it'll be it'll be a chore. It'll it'll test your skills and abilities. But once that four hours is done, and now the the, the two parts of the group have met back up, and if they're decent role players, it'll be. You guys look like you got the crap kicked out of you. What happened? And then you know, it, it's a cool thing. So, I think what we're talking hmm. about though, with a lot of stuff that you're saying, is it that difficult, right? Whenever I think of it, maybe it's not that difficult for me, and it's not for you. But the newer, the newer DM is it's it's daunting to a lot of the newer DMs out there. And, and to that, because they haven't flexed that muscle enough, you know, you know or lifted that weight enough. To that, I say, so what? If it's a new DM and, they, and their group splits, good, because you don't get to be a good DM if you don't have your players doing crazy stuff to make you think on your feet. If you if you get spoon fed everything, you're never going to improve. And Troy with the the tough love for the new DMs. John will give you hugs. Uh, I don't. Uh, Troy will tell you that <laughs> to suck it up. I'll, I'll tell I'll, you, I understand I'll what tell you're you saying. Suck it up, rub some, rub some dirt in it, and get back out there. Cup. And then when you're done, I'm like, now how did that go? Oh my gosh, that was so cool. Rub Told you. Dirt on it. If 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 you didn't if you didn't uh, have that thrown at you, oh, no, I, oh my gosh, what do I do? I mean, how many of? I mean, that's how we all came up. We didn't it have is. podcasts and and Matt Covills and and Matt Mercers and stuff, you know, holding our hands to tell us how we're supposed to do this shit. Heck, half of us were rolling dice wrong if we even had the dice. Right. You know, so buck up. Get, just get in there and, and let your players do what your players want to do. Don't punish them because you may or may not want to change the encounter. Or... You have that stuck in your head. Because I've had it stuck in my head for years. If you split the group, you encounter what's behind that door the same as if you weren't mm-hmm. split up. And that's on me. Hang on, and though. I need Is to it? That. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me, I'm going to challenge you at least a little bit on that. Is it, though, always, right? Because Always? No. There's, because a, like, it's like, there's at least some level of verisimilitude in this or, like, believability or, like, so how, there's only so much suspension of disbelief that you can kind of incorporate into a game to where people are like, it's before long. It's kind of like well, you're just kind of like putting this on training wheels for the for the players, <laughs> no matter what they do. Like, no, no, like no. it doesn't. Like I'm going to kick down the door and say, you know, behold righteous judgment, Leroy Jenkins. Every time I do something, well, let me re re reengineer on the fly for you and the and like the. 15 different directions that everybody else did the same kind of thing. I'm, I'm only asking. I'm not trying to be facetious. He's, okay, he's no. what I'm asking. At some point, does it get too, does it go too far? I mean, what, what I, what I'm thinking in my head is like, okay, the whole group all together, full max juiced up, ready to go walk through this door. It's going to be a tough to deadly encounter. Oh, mm-hmm. only two of them are going through that door. It is an instant party kill, right? So now I just have to figure out, okay, so it's not the actual bad guy. It's the lieutenant, and they're going to be powered down to where it's, for these two people, these two characters walking in the door, it is now a tough to deadly. There's still that chance. It's still the level of the encounter that I wanted it to be. But now the party is smaller, so the encounter has to change just a little bit. You know, it, so that, you know, if, if it was going to be a cakewalk with all six of them walking through the door, then 
I've got to change it to something that's going to be a cakewalk for all two of them. I mean, we may have to disagree, agree to disagree on this one a little bit because when you're ta- if you're talking like the Obi Wan analogy, right, or example, right, Obi Wan Solo, I'll use the Han and Chewie running down the halls of the Death Star and running into a room full of stormtroopers, being like, "Oh shit." Yep. And they've got to run the other way, right? Because yep. I think those I think those moments are important too. Whenever they just like they go willy nilly right. and they go they go off book, and they're just being, it gets a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. Not to say like I'm the like I'm the author of what is silly and what is not, but that I think that there's like a there's a like a there's a, a critical mass that you hit, you know, where at some point or another the players have to know that there are repercussions for. Like, like again, it just boils down to like the believability of it. Like, well, how far? Can, how long can we keep? Like, how long can we just keep kicking do- doors down in this keep? And I don't have like I don't pull down the entire keep on my ears or the boss doesn't but, like the lieutenant. I'm fighting the lieutenant, but the boss is like going to be like when I turn around, he's going to be right behind me, breathing down my neck. Okay, so in that in that scene, Han and Chewie run around the corner, mm-hmm. crap ton of stormtroopers. Okay, rewind it. The group didn't split up. It's all of them together. They walked on that same corridor. Mm-hmm. What do you want to have happen? Do you want yep. them to turn around and run? <sighs> then you put even more stormtroopers in that hallway and get them to turn around and run. It, it depends on what you're trying to go for for the encounter. If, ahead, if, if, if it's the final fight, yeah, you might want to kick that can down the road until the group gets back together like what Zach mm-hmm. was talking about. But if not... I think, I think that um, there's 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 forty seven different ways of doing it, and 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 my my knee jerk is to say that once the door is open, you've lost forty six of your forty seven ways. Um, uh, so it, it, I think your hands are limited at that point, and I I I find that the least satisfying answers come when you adjust what's behind the door. If you can find, and, and not to say that you shouldn't adjust, it's just that that's the least satisfying. I find that if if I don't want them to kick down that door, or I don't want them to engage in that situation, or it's going to get rough, it's far better for me to find a way for them to choose that themselves before they're placed in that situation. And as an example... If there's 40 stormtroopers behind the door and they're considering opening it, right? Um, then maybe, um, maybe if it's Luke, I let him. Ha- I say, "Oh, give me a force check." Oh, on the other, oh, you rolled well, which for me is anything above a 10 in this moment because I need you to know this. Oh, you sense the presence of numerous people numerous entities behind this door right you you get a bad feeling about this right um if it's if it's uh chewy and han maybe i say chewy as you're standing there waiting for han to punch open punch the commands into the door go ahead and give me a perception check you hear the clink and clatter of numerous feet behind this door right like there's a lot of different things that you can do. You can say, "Oh, you know, let's let's put Han. You're opening this door. As you're doing that, let's cut over to R2 and C3PO. Um, roll me an investigation check. Oh, you noticed that Han and Chewie are about to open a door that has 50 stormtroopers behind it, right? Like, there's a lot of ways that you can get it to where they then make the choice to burn that bridge and become 
you know, a split party in a bad situation. Um, uh, I think that there is a sense that players have, though, and I think I think they can certainly pick it up when you're doing something like that. But I think there's a sense that players have when you have a dial turned up to 11 and you're like, oh, there's two of you instead of four of you entering the room. I'm going to turn that dial down to eight. Um, I would rather turn that dial down to eight than absolutely just annihilate those two that walk through that door. 100%. That's why I said, that's why I started with, right? Like it, there's a, there's a point in which you say, I don't want to one shot you and you have chosen this. So I'm going to turn it down to eight because I'm still likely to kill you, but at least it's not going to be the worst feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think though that it's just hard. Players know. I think at least players that you're at your home game, they know when you're pulling the pulling the punch a lot of the time, or at least, or at least they they may not know what punches are pulled, but they get a sense that a punch was pulled. So they may say like, you know, maybe that that like I had a, I had a group with uh, with a recent game, and they're like, you know, those uh, dragons weren't played optimally. And I think that that was Zach letting us not just get wiped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will, I, 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 that's not the only thing that Zach did to, to keep them from getting wiped. Um, but they weren't, they weren't wrong. Right. Um, so there's, it's just, it's tricky though. Right. Like that's you, once you lose that feeling of there, this is quote unquote real and there's consequences mm. for actions and it, you know the DM isn't letting dice fall where they may he's he's adjusting things to execute a specific outcome I'm not saying that you can't have a great time after that but it loses a little bit of the of the flavor. Oh, tension well, yeah. well and, and, you lose the tension from it right well and what I'm, I'm surprised by is the conversation that Troy and I are having about this right now, considering that I'm a dirty screener and he is I, not. I was just getting because ready to say Troy that. does not believe in fudging dice. I don't. He let let the dice lie where they may. But yep. like whenever they play, uh, what's behind door number two? Troy's deciding on the fly on the fly what's behind door number two, depending don't upon. So I mean, I don't honestly. I mean, like if the, like if there if there's enough of a. Like what I'll do is I'll give them a breadcrumb trail at least of what's kind of kind of to, what, to mm-hmm. Zach's point, right? Like you can smell brimstone in the air. Well, there's something burning in here. What kind of things are burning in the in in the right. air? Or like if it's a chlorine smell, well, it may be a green dragon. Like well, there's probably a green dragon behind one of the doors here, so we okay. should probably be then, really careful. Then what's the difference? It's like oh, you you smell the brimstone, you smell the chlorine. Oh, we're gonna go in anyway. Yep, that's where that's where the hags were. The kettle is sitting there. The brimstone is flowing. You know, whatever it might be, it's like, oh, they don't know. the 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 dragon just left, and you know, you can see a half-eaten uh, cow or something, and, and, and you can smell the the chlorine in the air from where the dragon was. It's still, you know, that's not. Is it pulling a punch? Yes, but you're going to punch them in a minute anyway when their group gets back together so you don't have to you're not nerfing the encounter you're just kicking it down the road until everybody's there you don't want every you don't want everybody to show up you, you want everybody there to fight uh vecna at the end right you don't want 
you're not going to dumb down that encounter because you want it to be super impactful. And so that's what you do. If, if for some strange reason, if you haven't crafted your adventure well enough to where your entire group is walking into that room together, it's still on you. And if you're going to make them fight Vecna with, with only two people, I don't, then that's your fault. I, I, I can't. How is it always the? It always seems like it's always the DM's fault, though. It's like it's. I don't think. I don't think it is. I mean, sometimes we you do the best you can. How many to, times? How many times do you sit there and say it's my? It's the player's story. I'm just. I'm just the one letting it unfold for, in front of them. Mm-hmm. But then you turn it around and say, "Oh, but if you split it up the group, I'm no. going to kick your ass with Vecna because you it's went not, to the wrong." That's room. not what I'm. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like that at some point or in the, like I'm with you to a, to an extent. I think, but I think that there gets to it gets to a point where uh, they always know that they're going to be on training wheels. No matter where how they split or what they do, that there's there's going to be some there's going to safety net that's been beneath them, and I I I feel that I've seen my players behave differently because whenever they felt like there was a safety net versus whenever they don't, that's one of the reasons why I don't use well, a screen in some of the big combats because I want to create an additional level level of tension but around see, the combat. To, let to them me, know there's no net. That is that is the BS part of the screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I use the screen all the time. I'm rolling, rolling, rolling. Okay, but now I'm going to add extra tension. I'm removing the screen so that way you know this time mm. I'm not cheating mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not because well, it's you're because you've cheating. just admitted to it. it. Call it whatever you want. You know, fudging the rolls. You just admitted every other time that I have my screen up, I may or may not be fudging these rolls in your favor or in my favor. I think you I think what know. it sounds like we're doing we're doing the same thing. We're just doing it in different places in the game. Yeah, I tweaking tweaking hit points or or you know That's still fudging. I'm fudging the hit points, I'm fudging the die rolls, right? Or I'm fudging what's behind the door versus I'm gonna let what's behind the door sit behind the door. You know, but, and but that, I'm also maybe saying, it boils down to not necessarily who's right or wrong about it, but rather just like a, let's maybe it's style of play, but the style of the way that you run the game necessarily. Well, it's and like all, no, it, it's, it's all in, it's all a wash. It's like well, not really. It's like I said, if okay, this I I plan this encounter is going to be a super tough encounter, but they're going to be able to survive it. They wanted to take the story into two different directions at that time, and there's two characters walking in the door that was going to be a super tough encounter. If I keep it the same, they're going to die. Now, certain parts of the story, yeah, I might just let it let it go, and they're going to die. Or I could say, you know what, it kind of makes sense that it's not this person in the room that they're going to fight. I can say, oh, it's the lieutenants. Hmm. The main person is actually over here, and I can just have this fight that I was going to have with all of them, with the big bad, on down the road for when they're all together again and make up something different. But I'm going to give those two players the experience of having a fight at the level that I wanted it to be at for those two players, is what I'm saying. And yes, it's all about turning dials and turning knobs. and It seems like two different things, though, to me. Because what you're saying, if you're talking about from a, what is more satisfying to the players? I get what you're saying. Like if like the like two people facing off early against the bad guy unintentionally, they face off against the bad guy and get demolished. That's not satisfying. Mm-mm. I'm with you on 100 percent on that one. And then then kind of like like 
puttying that what's behind the door a bit more just to make sure that the the whenever it's most opportune or it makes the most sense to the narrative then bring out the bad guy at, at that point that's not about to me it's like i think i think it's two different things though right so as opposed to something that's being satisfying versus never giving the players like a like there's there's no there's like never a consequence to some of the foolish decisions that a, the players will make, not necessarily unintentional or accidental, but like again, a Leroy Jenkinsing, mm-hmm. just like going pell mell through a room full of people if, if, and pulling if down that's the entire the, dungeon. If that's the case, then yeah, all gloves are off. You're going to get what you get. But if it if it's a cool thing, it's like oh yeah, this makes so much sense that you guys would these three people would go this way and you two would go this way. That's really cool. This is going to be neat, and I can change some things. I can tweak it, and I can make everything better better than what i had planned initially this isn't like oh i i want my player or my characters to always survive everything no i do want them to always survive everything but on their own merit which is why i don't use a screen but i do change hit points and i because uh andrew makes a good point fudging hit points doesn't affect tension like fudging dice rolls because they can't see the hit points they can see the dice rolls or not if you've got the screen up. But then when you take that screen away and go, all right, everything's laid out because I want you guys to see, it's like, well, why don't you do that every other time? Well, I mean, that's a whole separate that's, discussion. That's a whole separate but, <laughs> but, but, I mean, the answer is there. I mean, there's a reason that a screen was put into place, and it's the same reason that we make adjustments to what's behind the door, and that's that our players trust us to craft a story that's interesting or craft an experience that's interesting for them and they're willing to let us have some levers behind something that we're pulling to make that happen they just don't want to know what those levers are and when they're pulled right yeah and they're Uh, they're not going to know yeah yeah um so uh i i'm going to say this which is that um as we're as we're kind of moving towards wrapping up here that this is why this topic is tricky. Uh, we said it at the beginning that there's a player problem. There's a not a problem, but there's a there's a difference in players and group dynamics and things like that that make this a tricky answer. There's also a thing with DMs because it is a matter of, you know, let's let John. I'm not. I'm going to speak for you here for a brief moment, so I apologize. But when you have a DM like John who is very, uh prepared not from a not just from a story sense but from a you know build an encounter you know set it up on roll 20 all of that sort of thing um and and there's there's a lot of bells and whistles those bells and whistles take time yeah and and they're uh, they're a um they are a component that is not easy to build on the fly if you built out monsters that do cool special effects and you have maps that are you know are you know lit with dynamic lighting and that have doors that open and whatnot like you can't build that in five minutes if the players choose to mm-hmm. split up and go two different ways and so there is a there is an element I think absolutely where you're going to run into DMs who because of their play style and that's an extreme example but because of their play style they're more or less okay with certain certain things happening and i think the other thing that we've brought up several times that it cannot be understated is that 
when you're in a group of strangers or a group that's timed or both in the case of AL, it becomes very, very, very difficult to split the party in any yes. meaningful way and have it feel satisfying. Um, so that's a whole other can of worms on all this. I think it's just that's that's where you really start to get messy. Um, it's possible you can do it, but you need to probably get a really good sense for who these strangers what these strangers are after from the beginning and and then even then it's a risk mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, it, it all boils down to it's all situational don't I just I just feel like don't poo poo splitting the party because it could be a lot of fun it could be really interesting and but yeah you know, and I think I think I, I think if you're a player listening I think the thing that's been a consensus through all of this is if you split the party prepared for it to be a more difficult experience mm-hmm. that's not to say we're going to kill mm-hmm. you but it's to say it is going to get harder and if if you're a player and you choose to split the party i think it goes without saying but we'll say it again be ready to sit on your hands for a while yep. mm-hmm. um if you're if you're cool with those two things a bit more difficult encounters and and sitting on your hands i think splitting the party can work out um, if you're not okay with both either one or both of those things, I think you're you're creating a recipe for disappointment unless all the cards just kind of fall in a neat stack, which sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I kind of feel like we've we've ran around this one. Uh, we've chatted actually about about this particular element now for forty minutes, which is about <laughs> what I expected actually, if I'm being honest. Um, Troy, John, is there anything else we should cover on this before we wrap up? Uh, I mean, you could probably do a part two and a part three on something like oh, yeah. this. But I mean, it's just, it's, so just go- much. it's just going to be, the, and it's like I'm not, I'm not saying that there's one one way to do it and you should do it this way. It's just there's so much. Yeah, my thing is the 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 DMs always sit there and say. You know, I let my players take the story wherever it goes. And this doesn't really happen in AL and organized play, but I'm talking about your home games. I let my players, you know, unfold the story, but then you're also sitting in the camp of, but don't split the party. Are you really letting your players dictate the story? I'm also not saying if you've got one person that's Leroy Jenkinsing all these rooms, there's got to be consequences for that. But if they're splitting this, if they're splitting the the group, and it's cool for the story, and you can see that it's cool for the story, let it happen. Figure mm. out how to deal with it. Figure out how to adjudicate it. Whether you have to say, okay, we're going to stop right here. Um, I'm going to continue on with you three. Uh, I know I can get with you two tomorrow afternoon, and we'll play. Cool. All right. See you two later. I'm going to continue on with you. However it is, however you do it, mm. let it happen. See what mm-hmm. see what happens. Mm-hmm. Tr- trust I, trust in your force. Yeah, and as as for me, I mean, I there's like I said the, at the very beginning, it's situational, and it's there are pros situation. and cons to it. You can have mm-hmm. a really intimate, like there's intimate RP and like an intimate narrative between one or two of your players and yourself with their characters. I've done that several times where I had a character that a player that between sessions wanted to go on a solo mission and we did some rp like for an hour 
on a Tuesday night or something like that. And it mm. it didn't it didn't uh, hinder or bottleneck the the main thread of the storyline. It added more background for that character and fleshed that character out more. And then they were able to use some of the stuff that came from that. That whenever things kind of um, merged back into the main thread, right? So there's that's kind of what I was getting at. So you can do more narrative whenever you start spilling oh, yeah. stuff out too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely it's not me. I hope it doesn't come off like a, it's any poo pooing of no. Of I'm not. I'm not saying party at all. Yeah, I'm not saying whatsoever. you. I'm saying DMs. You gotcha. Know, the DMs yeah, yeah, yeah. out there. Don't. Yeah, because I encourage it. You know, yeah. that, because yeah. be, be as a DM, you should be challenged, or otherwise, yeah. like, it's like that's like any exercise. You know, you've got to <laughs> you have to flex the muscle if you want the muscle to grow. So you have to challenge, be challenged, and be uncomfortable in those situations mm-hmm. sometime in a good, like a good kind of discomfort. You know, um, to uh, to get any better at the craft. No pain, no works. gain. No pain, <laughs> no gain. All right. Well, with that, I uh, want to thank Chat for hanging out with us here uh, and uh, and and talking news and then talking splitting the party. We had a big active chat. Appreciate uh, Chaos Eight, Andrew, Atheros, Spiritroid, Kill a Lot. Uh, Craig, um, Craig jumped in. Craig jumped in for a hot moment. That's Maybe. awesome. All right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you're listening to us on a podcast, we appreciate that too. Uh, either way, you can come hang out with us on our Discord channel, which you'll always find a link to in the show notes. Uh, we'd love for you to uh, to uh, be a part of that community and uh, and continue the, the discussion there. Um, if you are watching this on Twitch or you are um, watching this on YouTube, we would love a like or a follow or a subscribe or whatever you want to throw our way. That would be awesome. Um, those are super beneficial for us and letting us know uh, what you appreciate, but also pointing our show to other folks. If you're listening on a podcast, um, there's a billion ways that you can support, but the best way is to leave us a review and maybe share it with your friends. Yes, indeed. All right, with that, um, we're going to call it good. We'll be back on Tuesday for another live recording. Uh, Thanks to John. Thanks to Troy for hanging out with me. And until next week, we'll see you next time. Have a great game, everybody. Split the group. (laughs) Uh, Split the group situationally. Until then, stay safe. (laughs)